uh, listeners, there's a, a swear in this episode. Uh, I use the F word and I apologise for that now and immediately when I said it, I try and keep the, well, try and keep things um, as open as possible and restrict use of profanity and blasphemy, etc. Because, um, yeah, I don't want to hurt your ears if it, if it's the sort of thing that offends you. Um, and that's totally cool. Uh, I, I, but I can't go back and edit it now because um, I don't have time. So there is a bad word in this episode. It won't happen again, I promise. But, you know, forewarned is forearmed. All right. Are we live? Is this working? Are you alone? I am now, I think. Maybe you are not. Um, first, apologies for the plosives in previous podcasts. I've presciently purchased a pop shield to prevent plosives permeating my prattling, thus permitting peak performance. Perhaps. <laughs> Sorry. So I've been doing some thinking and I've managed to carve out a small portion of the day in which I can scratch that RPG urge. Um, and I think that's, that means I'm going to be able to just do a little bit of podcasting because it, uh, it's just a more convenient format. Um, as soon as I start writing on the blog, I feel it's got to be not perfect, but comprehensive. And um, for me to write 500 words, no matter how poorly spelt or grammatically feeble, um, is, a, is a major effort on my part. And uh, not one I'm... Whereas, yeah, this is easier. So at the moment, um, I'm, I'm going to be focusing on this. Well, I'm not. I'm going to be focusing on other aspects of my life. But this is, as I say, how that RPG urge is getting scratched. Anyway, I believe I actually received a call after my last uh, notes from the labyrinth. Um, Jason, it's over to you. Hey, Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast here. Just want to say we're still out here listening. The campaign I never got to run. I wanted to do a modern game, kind of urban fantasy, more urban horror, where the kind of like Knights Black Agents or I guess Delta Green, not necessarily Cthulhu related though, or but where I would use real world news stories as parts of the plot and clues. So, you know, there, there's a story about, and, and it takes the right kind of players and the right mindset to, to be able to accept that, yeah, we're using somebody's real tragedy in our game. So, yes. But that said, you, you know, there's some interesting things you can do if you link that kind of thing into your game. You know, so the, those bags of body parts found in Philadelphia, well, you know, how's that relate to your game world? Or the obviously disturbed man found with a sword and a Bible in a house claiming he was hunting ghosts. You know, in your game world, maybe he really was hunting ghosts. But the the fact, the way the internet is now, and, you know, nothing ever goes away from the internet. I mean, you might have to use the Wayback Machine, but, you know, it's out there. So you could link to these news stories and these things and, and drop them as clues for your players as they're investigating the mysteries. 
So I, I think that would be interesting. Again, it takes the right group, and, and, and you're not making light of other people's tragedies, but, but I think that would be an interesting game where, and they wouldn't necessarily research it during the game, but it's something they could look, look around between sessions and research and then compare notes when they came back to the table the next game. I, I always just thought that would be neat, but never got to do it. Take care. Jason there from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I think I got that right first time. Um, thank you, Jason, for calling. Really good to hear from you. It's um, uh, I really enjoy listening into your show and also um, listening to the calls you make to all the other uh, RPG and old school uh, anchorites out there. So it's, uh, I'm very proud to receive a message from you. And um, interesting um, comment as well. Uh, talking about the campaigns that got away or the ones you never got around to running and uh yeah mentioning the idea of blending real world events or using them as a jumping off point for a you know an urban fantasy or a modern horror game um it's quite interesting because froth was saying the other week on um thought eater about um using real world news stories to inspire sort of hooks and adventure ideas in like a more traditional campaign setting or um uh era so i think he he mentioned like repurposing um a blockade that was on the suez canal recently and you know recontextualizing that in a in your fantasy campaign um and yeah and and similar to you also mentioned you know about you've got to be wary of the sensitivities of your, your players and stuff when dealing with real world events but um yeah there's some ripe resources for inspiration uh out there um in the real world um uh, yeah thanks again jason very good to hear from you and you take care too so yeah i just wanted to um play that back and thank jason and also to invite anyone else to drop me a call um with your uh the campaigns you never got to run um the adventures you would really like to play or just the concept that you're still kind of waiting to find the right group or the right time to to put into place and um, it'd be really interesting to hear about those ideas i think it uh, it came up in my last podcast i, I was talking about running a, a beck me a campaign but a very high level from the kind of um, the quest for immortality and up to the actual eye phase in Beck Me, like basic expert companion, master, immortal. There's just time for one more thing. So, oh, there is an echo effect there, Scott. Um, yeah, so when I mentioned on, uh, uh, we've got Discord for... Uh, pariah and other other stuff and when i mentioned to a few people there that um you know i'd be making a little bit of time to record some podcast type stuff i, I requested some inspirational prompts to give me something to talk about uh and you know it was perhaps a little demanding of me but that very kindly humored me with a few ideas um one that stood out well, there's two that stood out, but one, I think, from Stephen from Tinhead Ned is probably a little bit too much work for me. 
to a later date. Um, Jim, as in uh, Jim Parkin, um, of uh, Weird North, uh, a Galaxy Far Away, and um, Any Planet is Earth fame, and of course his blog, uh, D66 Kobolds, um, suggested uh, a kind of a D6 dice prompt thing. Uh, I'm not sure how we're going to sort this out, but um, semi-urge from uh, Archon's March On and uh, Fred from Shuttered Room have both expressed an interest in some kind of, along with Jim, some kind of table exchange. I don't know how it's going to work. Well, it's taken me two minutes to say this. Um, hmm. All right. Okay, so courtesy of Shuttered Room, here are... 1d6 train carriages and this is improvised okay the first thing that sprung to mind was uh, the buffet car or restaurant car on maybe a high class train service because I think kitchens are kind of fun dungeon locations uh, you can have lots of sharp in implements hot sticky burning substances uh, rare creatures running around avoiding being slaughtered, angry chefs, um, either obsequious um, serving staff or snooty waiters, um, poison, psychedelic substances, alcohol, fire, liquid nitrogen, yeah, buffet car. Oh, I mean, how, how much detail do I need to give? Um, I don't know, the chefs are fucking, sorry, ogre, there you are, okay, <laughs> this, 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 this to give you some idea of the quality of what you're going to get, take one, right, okay, uh, second carriage, we've got a buffet car, the next one, uh, uh, yeah, uh, the quiet coach, okay, so a feature of certainly of British trains these days is that you have one coach where you're not permitted to use mobile phones or to listen to, to uh, you know, loud audio devices. I know he said an iPod as if they still exist, although we still we still say podcast. What's that about? Um, yeah, listening to audio devices or having loud conversations, the quiet coach. So uh, two things spring to mind there, like uh, one would be a carriage, which is for whatever reason, just, well, perhaps it just is a quiet coach and is under some kind of magical or uh, technological um, X, which prevents the transmission of sound waves, um, which would obviously have an impact on um, whether you can get surprised, the ability to utter magic, um, communicate, etc. So if you're in a pursuit through the train, this could kind of flip the tables a little bit, either in favour or against the party. The other one would be, and I've forgotten the name of it, came out around the same time as bird box but was about um uh which was i don't think it was a very good film by the way i didn't like it uh, it's really silly but there was another one which had a similar idea which was uh, an environment where the humans were being preyed on by these insectoid creatures which seem to focus in on sound waves so you have that completely silent environment players as soon as they make a noise an impossibly deadly and uh terrible 
perhaps blind enemy bursts out from behind the seats of the quiet coach and attacks them, um, but they can evade it fairly easily, just they need to work out a way of um, moving through the carriage silently. And it's filled with bubble wrap, the carriage, not the monster. Okay, you're going to notice that I'm running out of ideas fairly quickly. So the next one, this is three, uh, the first class coach. Uh, again, a standard feature of British trains. Um, there's this section which you pay a lot more money for. Um, you're, because bizarrely, a train ticket in the United Kingdom doesn't guarantee you a seat. That's usually the case in a first class coach. I think it's exclusively the case. They cut down, don't sell more tickets and seats, unlike the rest of the, the train. I've stood up the entire journey from London to Edinburgh once. That was that was my that was why I've not been back to Scotland. A great place, but just didn't want to travel like that ever again. Um, uh, yeah. So and yeah, and usually the first class coach. The only discernible difference between that and the, the standard coach is the fact they have this weird, like little towel which or not even that it's like a napkin which flops over the headrest presumably to prevent you from catching nits from the last person who used it um okay so with that in mind you'd have to have a really just underwhelming first class experience on this on this fantasy train or alternative train whatever whatever we're thinking about so traveling through here uh, yeah it gives the illusion of grandeur and I don't know, like petty bourgeois. I don't know, yeah, I'm gonna sound like an inverse snob, aren't I? Oh yeah, look, they've probably got sun-dried tomatoes and goat's cheese. It's not very interesting, is it? Okay, so let's imagine uh, who sits in the first-class coach. Oh, dragons and elves. Oh man, this is getting bad, isn't it? Okay, I'm gonna stop there. I'm gonna move on to another one. Phone in with your better ideas for what a, an interesting first-class carriage would be in uh, a train-focused role-playing game. See, I've missed a trick here because I've sat down and tried to do them all in one go, but there's really no need for me to do that because it's pre-recorded. So I can make it sound like, I suppose, the eagle-eared among you would be like, ah, oh, if we can't hear that washing machine whirring away in the background it means you're cheating what have I done I did uh, um, the last one was first class quiet coach buffet car train carriage okay so here's the thing sort of I kind of see in I think mainly in American cartoons from before the war uh, this idea of like the circus being a train so you'd go between towns in America by rail. The circus would be by rail and they'd have a carriage which would literally be a cage on a bogey. Or, so, yeah, that's what you call the bit underneath with the wheels that goes on the track. So that would be your carriage, would be a massive cage with, uh, I don't know, a, a tarisk. I thought it was tariskey for the longest time. Kind of prefer that, yeah. And in all, maybe that's too big actually. A substantially sizable creature locked in a cage. And then the alternative to that is you've got more like a boxcar setup, which a 
characters stumble through and then it's dimly lit. There's loads of crates lying around. The train's juddering from side to side. Uh, they don't see that. You know, all these boxes are covered over with drapes, towels, sheets, what have you. And one of the boxes knocks, knocks loose and the towel falls off and then the creature inside, it's a cage, and the creature inside awakens and that alerts all the other animals or or it gets out and it creates an encounter. There's a random chance of that occurring or, or they could try and steal one of these creatures and sell it, eat it, train it to be their animal companion or familiar. Um, or like some anarchist just releases them all and causes havoc on, on the rest of the train. Now that, that was a bit better. <laughs> I had a little pause there because um, I've kind of got another one, but it would make sense to make it the final one, sort of. Um, so I've just been for a few seconds between... <laughs> this in the previous recording I just had a quick think about the nature of a game that's set on a train is, is you know, it's quite a linear experience or it, you know it can end up as a linear experience and uh, that's if you're thinking about like a fairly modern European or or like a yeah, modern European or East Asian train which basically has entrance at one end you go through seat, an aisle down the centre, seating or perhaps not even seating either side of the aisle and then uh, at the other end, long tube. Um, but I've been on a couple of trains on other journeys elsewhere in the world where you've got like the sort of separate chambers to the left of a corridor, like, um, you know, like sleeper compartments or little booths. In fact, some of the Southwest trains still were like that. 20 years ago I'm sounding like a bit of a train nerd I'm, I'm really not up on it I do I do enjoy them um, so thanks again uh, Fred from Shutterdown for this inspiring um, prompt I'm in no way killing time while I think of a new one okay so here's, here's what it is you're going along and uh, there's windows on the right with the scenery flying by and on the left there's various doors which lead into these um, individual compartments where you know there's going to be other passengers in there so and are, are they sleeping are they not sleeping uh, what belongings do they have um, roll on another random table to determine that uh, what kind of things might you encounter these people are why are they on the train where are they going anyway um, there could be pilgrims commuters uh, migrant workers, uh, the difference there is one of scale, isn't it, between a commuter and a migrant worker, uh, time scale, mm, that's a meaningless thought. Alright, and then finally, you fight your way or sneak through or negotiate your way or just climb out the top and run along run along the top of the train and you, you reach your final end point which is the engine the driving force which is pulling this train of carriages along the locomotion itself uh, and you know that's an exciting environment because you've got 
think we have to go for a steam train, right? So you've got the furnace firing, fire, firing away, uh, the stoker uh, filling it up with coke or coal or what have you, and then maybe there's a fire elemental there. Um, you, someone steering it, <laughs> steering, steering the rails. <laughs> ah, Fred, you just made me think about linear experience and of course yeah the railroad you can have a railroad campaign right so there's a set beginning and end but you're free to navigate around the train this is figuratively i'm speaking now all right so final number six is the engine and there's an elemental there and the stoker or engineer or whoever is like uh yeah is a is a magic user um, with, yeah, um, School of Evocation, Fire. And that's six carriages. So, I mean, oh, the other thing I was going to say, one of, I did make, I, I'm not going to lie, I did make some very brief notes this morning. This, and one of them I just wrote, Ghost Train. And that, that's not a carriage, is it? And then I would have tied myself down even more, like six ghostly carriages. But um, yeah, uh, I'm going to have to think about a prompt. Um, but yeah, that's it. Six, the engine. Right. Um, it behooves me to make mention of a project I've been involved with, or in a very small way, but I'm very proud to have been part of it and to have been a contributor to it. Uh, Froth mentioned it in his um, Hump Day Blogorama episode yesterday and that project was uh, postcards from cable street which is an anti-fascist rpg zine um where proceeds of which are going towards uh, hope against hate and football lads and lasses against um fascism um it's available now from soul muppet i'm going to put a uh, a link in show notes i believe um friends across the pond will be able to order through exalted funeral um yeah so um, my involvement on that was uh, invited by luke gearing um uh, other in people involved include uh fiona geist um jared crader um uh, zach from soul muppet and a plethora of talented individuals who've created the original content for Mothership, Troika, Best Left Buried, um, even PBTA, and what's more, tons and tons of original uh, RPG material, including a silly game which coincidentally takes place on a train um, involving... Uh, anarchists kind of uh, in a post-revolutionary uh, British state trying to uh, do their best to maintain not order because that would be un <laughs> antithetical um, uh, to maintain a sense of calm on um, a post-revolutionary collectivized train and it also features quite a nice illustration from um, my sometime collaborator 
uh, Abigail Linford, who did um, quite a few of the internal illustrations in Pariah. Um, so check it out. Available at the moment from Soul Muppet and Exalted Funeral. That's postcards from Cable Street. Um, and oh, I should add my favourite thing in that um, is on like the second or third page. There's just a really interesting account of uh, someone who uh, was involved in um, uh, with the anti-Nazi league back in the 90s, um, as well as like painting up. Actually, I, th I think it might have been Workers Against Racism. I should probably have the, the zine in front of me, so I'll be able to confirm. Um, my, I haven't ordered my physical copy yet, actually. Um, but yeah, it was it was good. And it's for a good cause. All right. Anyway, that's been me. Um, I still need to think of a 1D6 prompt. Um, 1D6. Animated objects. No. 1D6 magic brooms. There you go. It's the best I could come up with. If, well, whoever shuttered, shuttered room or Archon's March On or D66 Kobolds, if you want to reply, first one can set the next prompt and I'll read them out. And if any of you out there have any better ideas for what I can do with my time, I'd really appreciate it. I don't need ideas for what I can do with my time. I need ideas for how to create time. But anyway, in these, these little windows of time, um, if there's anything you'd like me to talk about in my uh, unprofessional and uh, uninformed and uneducated manner, um, yeah, I'd be grateful. It'd be... I'll be, you'd be doing me a service. All right, take care.